0: Two, three, You are listening to the Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind the bar stories with these founders. The Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at ten a.m. Pacific Time.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another quarantine edition of Felony Inc. podcast, broadcasting live from my living room in uh, beautiful Portland, Oregon. It's, uh, it's, it's not raining yet. Um, in society that houses the largest inmate population on earth, anything that can be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable. And that's what we attempt to do here at Felony Inc. podcast. I'm your host, DJ Dick Hennessy, as always. Joined by Meg Krippigal. Hi, Dick. Hey, how's it going, Meg?
2: All right. From my living room to yours. Missing the sound studio a little bit. How about you?
1: Oh, just taking it one day at a time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of enjoying it? Kind of uh, feeling a little cooped up?
1: Yeah, yeah. A little (laughs) bit. Indeed, as always. I just want to start the uh, podcast off today by saying rest in peace to Bill Withers. Uh, He just passed away. Uh, Incredible artist, Uh, one of my favorite old school soul artists. And uh, I just wanted to put that out there. Our guest today, uh, first time guest on the show, really excited about having him. His name is Kirk Charlton. Am I saying that right, Kirk?
0: Yes, sir. Yes, you said it fine. Thanks.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Uh, Thank you for being here today with
1: us, Uh, Kirk. Is that a children's book author and professional painter and artist and teacher? Is that correct? Kev?
0: Yes, uh, and thanks for the professional part of that.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been doing art for uh, you know since I was a kid, and and I I got the books out too, so yeah,
2: that's great. This um, is fascinating stuff. We're very excited to have you.
0: Yeah. Do you want to
2: start off, Dick?
1: Uh, sure, I'll start it off. So, Kirk, uh, typically how we begin the podcast is we kind of get to know you a little bit uh, in terms of your childhood, uh, upbringing, and, um, and your criminal history. And then uh, we transition from that into your transition uh, brought you on the show today. So uh, if you'd sure. like uh, to start, tell us whatever you think is relevant with that.
2: Tell us what brought you to here.
0: Right, right. So... Well, I was born in Hawaii uh, a long time ago, I guess, and uh, moved to New York when I was uh, like two years old, and so the, just going from Hawaii to New York was interesting, but I was pretty young back then. So uh, my parents got divorced, and we moved back to Hawaii, and my dad stayed in New York, and my mom remarried a great-great stepdad, uh, from Oregon, they met. They met in Hawaii, and then we moved to Oregon. Uh, in my sophomore year, I think, in high school, so uh, got involved with a lot, a lot of stuff at a pretty young age, uh, as far as. Uh, uh, you know, I did well in school until I until I started using. I guess you could say so. And then that pretty much brought me to to here, I guess. You know, as far as uh, uh, doing time and that sort of thing. So.
2: Don't skip the good part, Kirk. I'm <laughs> starting. <laughs> So <laughs> for, so, at what age, tell us what age you ended up in prison. Can we t- talk a little bit about the story, how you ended up in prison? Uh, how long did you do? Where were you?
0: Right, right. So uh, I was in my 20s when I first got incarcerated. Uh, I actually did a little bit of county time in, in upstate New York uh, when I moved back to New York to finish high school. And then I did some Oregon time in the early '90s, and at OSP, and and then I went to San Am, and then I went to the Feds. I, I did some Fed time in California at Atwater, and then I went to uh, uh, Sheridan for the last couple of years. So, uh, how
2: well? How much time did you do total?
0: Twenty plus, I would say twenty-two, altogether. together. Twenty-two years.
2: Yeah, long time. How long have you been out?
0: I've been out five months. I uh, I was just thinking uh, earlier today that it seems like I've been out longer, but.
2: Uh, oh yeah. my God! I want to do a big applause. Welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I made it. It five is months.
2: no joke getting out. How are you doing?
1: Well, I tell you. Uh,
2: I, uh, You're getting out to be confined in your own home. It's basically like a forced house arrest.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you <laughs> can uh, you can uh, you can do a lot more things though, I, I guess. But uh, you know, it's been well, you get
2: a lot more privacy too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, no celly. no silly. So, but you know, it's been a uh, it's been tough. I'm not going to say it's uh, it's been easy, but. You know, just getting, being able to navigate the uh, uh, the Internet and that sort of thing. And the other day I was in Fred Meyers and I was paying the cashier for something I was getting. And a lady behind me asked me to hand her one of those dividers uh, that you have in between, you know, the groceries and that sort of thing. So, and then uh, my phone uh, texts went off at the same time and it just it, you know it just <laughs> it just gets overwhelming for me sometimes and and uh, I mean I can I can handle it and I'll figure it out but just the uh, social media and all that stuff tends to get a little frustrating I guess for me everybody else seems to know how to do it but
2: <laughs> well it's been a slow it's been like we're all you know the folks that have been out For a long time, we're like, what is the metaphor of the frogs that you know that you put the frog in the warm water and slowly start to boil it, right? And then they don't even realize they're boiling. I mean, I feel like this coronavirus lockdown has really paused everything to a point that like we didn't even realize how hard and fast everything was going, how much information. But for somebody who's been locked up for 22 years, you get out and it's just mayhem. So, I mean, I got out and there wasn't quite the same level of mayhem no smartphones or anything yet there was an internet but no smartphones and I remember feeling incredibly overwhelmed my central nervous system was just on sensory overload just <laughs> trying to go to the grocery store let alone get text uh... while I was there and update my Instagram I mean it's it's a, it's very very real and I think it's something people don't talk about a lot I mean it's sort of this get out of prison and everything's great now like yay you're out of prison you're free but it depends on how you define freedom because that experience doesn't just go away it's really actually quite profound to be in such a minimally you know sensory environment for so long and then I mean everything's one color basically (laughs) it's just so so monotonous and then you get out and and the outside, quote unquote, is actually pretty freaking loud and complex. I always thought time even moves very, very differently inside of prison versus outside of prison. So
0: Yeah, and you, you get used to, you, got, you get used to the structure and the you know, the rigid uh, you know, just uh, daily plan and, and all that stuff and and I just think that uh, it's been that's kind of what's 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 well, been my frustration, pretty much. But uh, um,
2: well, when you take all agency away from you and then send you out, kick you out, and tell you that you have to have self uh, discipline and create your own schedule and here use this calendar on this phone, it's um, it's really quite difficult. I think that's a really common and super un unaddressed issue. Right. Is art is your art are you able to um you know are you able to feel supported that's one of the things that really struck me about your story is how therapeutic that art must have been for you and for others inside prison do you want to talk about that a little bit
0: yes uh well the art inside out program uh that we developed that i developed at uh east east eastern oregon correctional eoci uh it's doing really well, and the, and the reason why it's doing well is because it's it's uh, and it's pretty it's pretty simple. It's it's helping guys, right? So, but it's 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 a it's a different kind of uh, program. Uh, you know, it's not like breaking barriers, cognitive thinking, anger management type things, which are all great great programs. But what I try to do, what we try to do in our Inside Out is we try to get guys to come into the class by luring them with art right yeah. so mm-hmm. and particularly in prison um, you know everybody loves art everybody you know wants to you know get take a shot at learning to draw and that sort of thing so making cards etc et so uh so the art brings them in and and the other two things that I put in the program was uh, uh a positive dialogue uh where we make these connections between art and life um and i there's just a bunch of different things that i think uh, uh connect well when you're creating art and, and creating a better life type of thing so in one of my programs i've got it in front of me here um art inside out one i have art inside out one two and three uh we talk about these connections and and stuff uh for example uh sufficiency in life is is important Uh, instead of feeling like you have to be perfect all the time or you're not you know you're not able to do anything uh, sufficiency is is the way to go and and it's the way to feel a lot of us uh, just got to understand that that uh, what we do is you know what we accomplish uh, when we're doing things can be enough at, the, at that point in time. Uh, and then with art, and then I connect that with art, and a lot of people expect a, a beautiful painting on their first try, and they want perfection. <laughs> and sufficiency is good enough there. So I, I'm having a hard time describing it, but it's it's, uh, it's uh, I make these connections between art and life. And at the end of the class, uh, we... Just, we talk about a positive topic, such as love, kindness, uh, forgiveness, uh, truth, honesty, that sort of thing. And it's and it's not common that that guys sit around in a room, uh, incarcerated guys sitting sitting around in a room and talking about kindness and stuff like that. So, um, but it's really, you know, I, the the testimonies and that we got from the first class that we went through, that we did, uh, were j- just overwhelmingly, uh, you know, really helped guys uh, just have a different uh, mindset and different, uh, different uh, uh, approach to change. Um, so, the, you know, it's 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 a really good program, and and I think that a lot of these the guys that are, are sit in my room and, and sit in the classroom and that are doing time need to realize hopefully that, that they have value. And I think that when you don't have value and you feel like you don't have a lot of self worth, uh, then you'll keep repeating what you're doing to get incarcerated. And if you feel valuable, then you won't. So, uh, Art Inside Out talks about Art Inside Out. One is it talks about just being valuable, and then we have some other things in two and three that are that are uplifting and, and good. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. But it's good. a popular program. There's a, a, a longer waiting list for that program than than some of the other programs that have been around for a while, and
2: that is so beautiful.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I, you know what I lack uh, in uh, material knowledge. I didn't. I don't have a degree in anything, really. <laughs> uh, but uh, I I have gained a lot of empirical knowledge by by uh, really learning from some of the stuff that I've been through and doing time, etc. So, um, and I want to share that with guys uh, to help them out. So.
2: Seems like something also that could be translated on the outside. I mean, all those are lessons that many, many people could stand to learn. Yes. It's more like acute inside prison, and also folks are a little more focused. You know, they're not, they don't have the loud modern life as much as the outside world. But I, you know, I've definitely found in my work that the issues that prison was a real microcosm of the kind of ways that we limit ourselves and that we are with our suffering that we experience also on the outside but it's just more condensed right
0: right and you and you you'll ruminate about it and you'll feel you'll, you'll think about it yeah exactly what you said just a lot more than you would on the outs because you have all these other things that'll get your attention. Not as
2: many distractions. Right. And you're not sort of in a position where people are really going, Hey, you're stuck here to sit around and think about what you've done and who you are as a person. Right. But that's not, I mean, that can be a really powerful experience given the right mindset, which it sounds like you really had. Is there a period of time? Like, is there something for you that stands out as a point where you went from someone who with committing crimes and, and using, I mean, what was your transformation? My point? personal, Sure. Like, trans- you have
0: a? yeah. And I have made a transformation. Uh, and what, you know, years ago I would, I would change. Right. And I would say, you know, I'm going to stop doing drugs. I'm going to stop doing this. And that, and the other thing. Uh, and it's kind of like saying, it's kind of like saying, Oh, I'm going to start working out every day. Right. You know, I'm going to, the weight pile every day and run every day and get healthy and and that'll last uh, for a period of time and then for some reason you know you're not going to weight pile anymore so I think we've all kind of been through that but uh, uh, but the transformation uh, you know I, I really had to find myself and my and gain uh, my self-value and believe that I'm important, and that I can change, and it's not too late. And uh, so the transformation was, uh, to me, is, is describes it more uh, than just just changing. But uh, you know, the revolving the revolving door of being clean and sober for a while, and then making some excuse to, to use again, and then you know that lasts for a little while, and then you're You know, addicted and 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 using every day type of thing, and then you lose your job, and then you, at some point, you know, commit a crime. You go to county jail, and then you commit a bigger crime, and you get incarcerated in the in the system, state system. Uh, You know, I've done that a few times, and and I see this pattern, and you know, I never really, I really, I never really connected with it up until. uh, about seven years ago. So, you know, when I, when I got incarcerated this last time, so, uh, just realizing that and, uh, uh is what did it. So. So,
1: uh, Kirk, basically when I, when I was growing up as a kid, my mom was really supportive of me, uh, just getting into art. I remember when I was in fourth grade, I was playing violin, Fifth cool. uh, fifth grade, uh, I was taking like animation classes, claymation classes. Uh, in middle school, I was drawing really heavily, uh, painting, doing everything, all of the above. And I kind of took a step back when I got older and started, you know, getting into more like criminal activity. Uh, was there a point in your childhood or your early uh, upbringing that you were really into art, or you, how did that all develop?
0: Well, you know, when I was when I was five, I was. I, living in New York and in upstate New York. And I'll never forget uh, a couple of events. I was in the, maybe I was six, but I was in kindergarten and first grade. Um, One of the events I'll never forget is I I peed my pants in in school. So that was uh, something I'd like to forget. (laughs) It's traumatic. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It never goes away.
2: You're not alone, but
0: Yeah. yeah, But the other... The other thing that happened was I was drawing a picture, you know, a lot of people were telling me that I had this talent, you know, I was able to draw pretty good, but I was drawing this picture of a horse being stung by a bee, and, you know, I spent a little bit more time on it than I normally would, uh, did on other drawings, so, and, you know, I just spent time uh, with the expression of the horse being stung and, and the meanness of the bee, and, and so, uh, you know, I was laying, laying on the floor, my tongue sticking out, you know, as a kid, how, how a kid draws type thing. So I brought it into the kitchen to show my grandmother in New York. And she said to me, she looked at it and she said, Kirk, this is wonderful. This is unbelievable. I want you to draw me something else. And I'm going to hang this on the refrigerator that just put me over the top and and i really felt valuable and i felt like i was an artist at that you know at six years old so but you know i just never stopped drawing from from that day on so and i think that uh uh my grandmother was a big part of that so when you tell a kid that he's an artist or you know, it just really emboldens them and, uh, gets them feeling pretty, pretty confident. So, but it reinforces that whole thing. Absolutely.
2: So, that is so powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like I said, I'll never forget it. And I think that was the, that was the thing that really pushed me through art. So.
1: Well, Inside, uh, you were at EOCI. Uh, yeah. At what point were you were, at what point, because you're the only person at EOCI to have the position of painter um, from the article that I read about you. How did uh, that come about? Like,
0: you mean the murals and, and stuff like that? Yeah, Yeah,
2: like it sounds like you made up your own job in prison. For those <laughs> of us that have been in prison, yeah. we're pretty, pretty uh, clear how hard that <laughs> is to do. So very curious how you became <laughs> prison painter.
0: Right. Uh, so they did have to... At first, they didn't have me on the pay... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, you know, they didn't have a position for me as a painter. So I was the orderly or something. You know, I would get uh, uh, paid by, you know, by being a this orderly.
2: Waxing the floors. Right,
0: mm-hmm. right, which I wasn't. <laughs> so... Uh, but I think uh, you know there's an officer there. Uh, uh, officer Mitchell, actually, uh, was his name, and he saw me drawing in the day room. Keep in mind, this is my fourth time uh, incarcerated, so I had a I had an idea of what I what I needed to do as far as getting, you know, getting some murals done and that that type of thing, um, because I had done it before when I was in the feds. So I pretty much wherever I've done time at, I've painted on walls, so <laughs> the, the, the arts all over the place. So, so I had a game plan and I've done it before and I just said, Hey, you know, uh, murals are important. They change, they change attitudes. They, uh, you know, a, a mural can calm somebody down. It can, you know, it can explain something. It can describe things. And, and if we keep it uplifting and, and, and cool, uh, You know, it's just going to be a positive thing for a bunch of guys, you know, just walking around in the same clothes and the same crap every day. So, uh, it took a while. Uh, I I can't say it happened overnight, but, you know, I really want to thank uh, EO for sure um, for giving me the opportunity. And, you know, I just, I don't know how many murals I did there, but I painted a lot of that place. So... (laughs) That's off, so yeah.
2: awesome. Are you familiar with the artist JR, the street artist? If you're not, a great Google would be JR. He's um, teamed up with current and former inmates and, <clears throat> and created this huge mur- mural at a Supermax prison outside of Los Angeles in Southern California. And he's mm-hmm. really famous, so he's kind of bringing some. You know, he's brought a lot of attention to the power this can have. So he's he's worked inside. It would be a really cool Google search for listeners and and for all of us. Kind of cool work. I mean, it just makes such a massive difference. And it's always so powerful when people are willing and able to bring color and light and creativity into one of the least colorful, light, and creative environments in our society. So, So I'm just... Absolutely floored and inspired by your story. We've got to uh, jump off here for just a second and do an advertisement, pay some bills, as it were, and then we'll get back on and keep chatting. Sound good? Great.
0: Okay. Thank you. CPA Dudes, where accounting is
1: never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony, Inc. podcast is brought to
0: you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct a PR package right for the future of your business.
1: All right. Welcome back to uh, Felony Inc. Um, today, you're just joining us, I guess, is Kirk Charlton, mural painter and children's book author. And on that note, i would about to transition a little bit into Kirk, how did you get started in, or what even gave you the idea that you want to be a children's book author?
0: Wow. Thanks for asking. The, uh, the, <laughs> It all started with my daughter, Sophie, uh, boy, I'm going to get emotional. Uh, anyway, she, she, uh, wanted to be a paleontologist when she was eight years old. So when you're incarcerated, I can't go out and buy her a a book on paleontology. I can't, you know, um, you know, you can't really get a gift or any of that sort of thing. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just—I'm an artist, so I'll, I'll draw some some uh, some pictures of paleontologists and that sort of thing. And then I realized that while I was going through an encyclopedia, the Google back then, uh, I realized that uh, you know there's a little storyline uh, that you can pick up in in the information of uh, you know what paleontology, mm-hmm. the definition of a paleontologist, and that sort of thing. So. Uh, I just made it into uh, a story and somewhere I, I was told or I learned that in, particularly in a kid's uh, book you want to have uh, uh, some kind of adversity somewhere in the in the book where they overcome this you know this challenge and that sort of thing so uh, So anyway, I made her this book. I'm, I want to be a paleontologist and I sent it to her and she loved it and it just kind of went from there, and it took a while. Uh, I could, it was always on the back of my mind uh, to do more books. But the, the thing about uh, the I Want to Be series, is, is what I call it, is there's these occupations are uh, they're not I want to be a police officer, I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a fireman, that sort of thing, which which are great occupations, don't get, don't get me wrong, but they're well, well covered. And I think that uh, that my books, uh, I have—I want to be a jazz musician. I want to be an archaeologist. I want to be a, a marine biologist. I want to be an artist. Uh, I have five of them out now. And the other one is, got it right in front of me. I want to be a yeah. Soccer player, soccer player, right? And, yep. and and the thing about these books are, you know, they're not only are they they're they're fun in other types of occupations, uh, but they're diverse, which I think is important. And I have gals doing what guys typically do, you know, and, uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, and they're educational too. All of the information in the books are one hundred percent you know, uh, true stuff. So, uh, we want to, our business plan, uh, my business plan is to get them into schools. Uh, you know, not just in Oregon, but elsewhere. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then I've got a connection with a, with a guy that hopefully, I don't know if it's how true it is, but that we might be able to get him into Costco. So if that happens, that, That'd be great. So,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. Kirk, how did you publish? If you've been out for five months, how did you go, get through the process of publishing books while you're on well, inside?
0: You guys know Todd and Denise, don't you? Brown?
2: <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, More. Sounds like we should yeah. know Todd and Denise. I
0: don't know. i might need that number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they,
2: Educate us.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I was doing the books, and I—I I fully, when I started them at EO, I was fully expecting me to—the uh, onus would be on me to—to to get them published. And so I was—I got a book on how to publish for dummies, and a bunch of other things. And I, you know, I was making a lot of progress, I thought, uh, to to getting them published. Um, but a friend of mine, uh, Ian. Lorman, I think is his last name, uh, saw what I was doing, and he had, uh, he was living, uh, with Todd, uh, when they were, he was this Todd Sully, uh, at some point in time, so, and he told me about what Todd was doing, and, and he connected me with Todd, and Todd is just great, and he wants to help, and he's, he's, um, uh, obviously knows, uh, what we're going through, and that sort of thing, and Denise is, um uh, His his wife uh, was just tremendous, and she just kind of took over took it over from there. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, these are people I'd never met, and uh, but they just uh, I think they thought it was a good idea, but more more so they just they really just wanted to help a guy that had some you know had something.
2: So that's awesome. Sounds like somebody we might want to interview for sure. I'm curious how old your daughter is now.
0: Uh, Sophie is thirty, so yeah, I had her when I was ten. No. Uh...
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, no yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah she's.
2: Oh she, man, so she was a little a little thing when you went to prison, probably, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Uh... Yeah, what a trip! Yeah, what a powerful, what a powerful thing to do for her to write those books. I mean, I think that that's such a special and in it's just such a special way to be a part of her life. Is she, like, what is your relationship with her like now?
0: Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I, I think we, we, I think we have a way to go to get to where uh, my silly expectations uh, might want to be but uh I love my daughter she loves me and we're 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 uh even though we've always had the phone calls always had the letters uh that sort of thing um you know we haven't really physically been in the same room for you know very long at all uh right she came she came out and when I first got out she came out and it was just a amazing uh Visit, and she brought her boyfriend, who will, who is just an amazing, amazing guy too. Um, and then her mom, Melanie, who's my best friend. And yeah, I just think that that the future is going to be great. And one of the, the impetus is the, the reason why I want to do all these books and the, and get the program, Art Inside Out program, to become successful is I want to do some for right. I mean you know, I, I know she loves me and I know I've been, uh, part of her life, that, that sort of thing, but I want to, I don't know, I want to buy her something, you know, that, uh, or something. So I'll uh, be able to do that for sure.
2: I think that's a really popular, well, I mean, it's, it's popular impetus for folks and it's a few folks who actually get to do it. We're lucky enough to be able to have many of them on the show that really, really take seriously how important it is to make their kids and family proud after the family has had such a... It's rough on families when when a parent or a family member goes to prison. So it really is like, I know for me, it has been a huge impetus in my continued Mm -hmm. success, just making sure my son knows that redemption is real, right? Everyone can be something else like it really that ability to shape shift and transform and always wake up to a new day. It's a powerful lesson.
0: Yeah. And, and, and what we did is what we did. It's not who I am. You know, I'm, I, you know, I don't uh, identify as this. I don't say my name's Kirk. I'm a robber. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it's something that I, these, these crimes are something that I did. It's not who I am, you know? So, and it, You know, when I first started doing time with my daughter on the phone, I would always, uh, you know, you get 15 minutes. And at some point in time, I expected or wanted to hear from her this, you know, this, this, you know, how much she loves me and how much she misses me and this, that, and the other thing. So, and I realized that after a while that, you know, a lot of my phone calls to my family as well, were just uh, all about me, right? You know, I wanted them to say something that was going to make me uh, feel better and instead of me uh, genuinely, you know, worried about what they're going through, that sort of thing. So, um, but anyway, Sophie uh, told me one day, she said, Dad, will you quit apologizing? Because I I would always apologize at the end of every... uh, You have one minute remaining on, on this call. I would always apologize. And, and, you know, I, she got a little bit older and she just said, dad, we, you've apologized a million times. You know, I, I, uh, I forgive you. So, uh, uh, that was, uh, that was a big, big thing for me. So.
2: That's such a powerful lesson. I mean, at some point, it's just time to start saying thank you instead of, I'm sorry. Right. Thank you for being there. Thank you for growing up. Thank you for being good in school. Thank you for your Mm. patience. Thank you for, you know, it's powerful. That lesson was that, that was that the catalyst moment for you? I mean, you're talking about this transformation really casually, which I appreciate. And also it's a huge transformation to go from, this is all about me. I'm in prison. People should feel sorry for me. Like I feel sorry for myself to be able to actually realize, wow, it's hard for them. It's hard for them for me to be here, and it's not all about me, and they're not always going to be available for me, and sometimes they're going to be mad at me. Like what is – and that's not a small transformation. Was it that moment with Sophie that did it for you? Was there something else?
0: Yeah, I think there's accumulation of that, and, you know, just – you know, I dealt with a lot of just sort of self – I don't know, like lack of self-worth, that sort of thing. And I think a lot of us go through that. But, uh, you know, once I realized that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. I'm, I'm you know, not a lame and all that other stuff. And, and realized that, uh, uh, and I read something one time about, about change and, 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 and trans- transformation and, and it talked about how, you know, you can live, I've been living this, this, uh, life as this malefactor, right? Uh, doing crimes and, and getting incarcerated. But there is another side to that, that, that I had never really experienced, uh, except for when I, when I was really young. But, you know, I just, I really wanted to, uh, to, to have a driver's license and, <laughs> and and, and, uh, and car insurance and that sort of thing and and so that that really uh, was intriguing too but certainly my daughter uh, growing up and, and realizing that she's pretty smart herself uh, always uh, you know it's just always forgiving and and realized that uh, her dad is some so anyway interesting
1: It's a beautiful thing, Kirk. Uh, Yeah. Just one thing I want to say is, you know, I feel I've I've been kind of advocating this. And um, I feel like in schools, we really don't teach our children and, uh, you know, uh, like real life things that they really need to learn. You know, instead of like learning about the Louisiana Purchase, which is important. (laughs) I feel like, you know, we should learn, be learning, teaching them about credit cards and you know real estate and finances and finding a job and what you know, to expect in the real world. Um, I think that, uh, what you're doing here with this, with this book and just the concept of the book is absolutely brilliant. You know, thank you. Um, and I mean, I, I it wouldn't surprise me to see this go big time, you know, especially the more categories that you produce. Uh, I'm assuming that you do all the illustrations in the book. Is that correct?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's you know, if, if I'm always worried about the illustrations too. Uh, uh, the writing is, you know, I'm, I'm okay with because it's creative writing, right? It's for kids, and and uh, I mean, it needs to be edited quite a bit. But uh, and coming up with the storyline, that's that's fun to do, really. But uh, but I'm real critical on my art, I guess. So uh, but the art's good yeah it's uh yeah thanks for that it's
1: uh no problem and no i grew up in the 80s um mm-hmm. there was a book line i'm not sure if you remember it called uh scary stories to tell in the dark mm-hmm. i don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I <just> <laughs> it it was it was a children's book and it was terrifying they just remade they just actually Guillermo del toro i think it's the name made remade into the movie like a, a full hollywood movie now but uh the, the pictures in there were so terrifying, like the, the illustrations and the story. And the story was so compelling that it's a combination of both. made The larger in the Life and now it's obviously a movie. But it just shows the importance of the combination of quality illustration yeah. and, you know, quality storytelling.
0: Yeah. And, and, it, and so, I, you, you know, whatever you want. I'm doing some illustrations right now for a, another children's book for somebody else called The Baby and the Seed. Uh, and it's about, it's about having eye contact and having, you know, having contact, more contact with your, with your kids at a, at a younger age, right? You know, uh, there's a lot of research that says that you should, uh, establish a, a good relationship with them even before. Uh, even when they're, you know, just brand new, uh, you know, a couple months old or whatever, I forgot the, 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 uh, timeline on that, on that. But, uh, anyway, the, the book describes, uh, just this relationship between parents and, and their kids and having to, uh, you know, I, I would get the words and then having to come up with the stanzas and the pictures, uh, for them, uh, it's more of a realism type type uh, book too, not not the uh, character things that I do. So, but yeah, it's 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 fun. Um, I was reading something on uh, Norway prison the other day, uh, which I I applaud Norway with their attitude and their their type type of uh, useful justice is what what we call it instead of the punitive thing. But they they really uh, have a relationship or encourage relationships with, with family. So
1: it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, something that I touch on sometimes on the show is that like prisons in Norway, prisons in uh, Germany, a lot of these other countries, um, you know, it's not as big a business as it is in America. So they're really more about uh, rehabilitation and, and trying to embedder, you know, the, the prisoners. So when he comes out, he can, or they can come out and be a productive member of society well, in America, it's—I uh, feel—it's more just about punishment. It's not about teaching anyone anything or helping anyone at all.
2: Right. Right. In America, it's actually about recidivism. They actually want you to come back because they're making yeah. money off you. Because they're making business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the recidivism. We got to work
2: hard to stay out of prison.
0: Yeah. Uh, the recidivism rate in Norway, I think, it, I mean, it's incredibly low. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's. They do good work, and I think I think a lot of it is is their transformative learning. I think is what they said. Uh, uh, programs that that lead to change. So I forgot exactly what it was all about. But Mr. B from San uh, uh, uh Dan Billenberg, uh he was on your show a while back. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is really just a, a great guy for. For he thinks that that the Norway thing is the way to go, and and uh, you know we just gotta hopefully change the attitudes a little bit up top. You know, people up top. So, um,
2: I've actually never had more hope in changing more systems than I do right now in this moment of time where we finally have everything on hold and kind of coming apart and being illuminated for how, how problematic it is. And so it's just, it's so ironic and so amazing. So counterintuitive that this virus would come along and maybe hopefully be the thing that changes some of the deeply problematic structures in these systems. I feel actually quite optimistic about that. I mean, so, you know, 900 prisoners were just released in New York, which is a whole other set of problems. Like we were just talking about the challenges of getting out, but you know, it feels like a start that, that, that out of the box thinking is actually happening. Yeah. Hey Kirk, we're about, uh, about ready to wrap up here. We've just got a few more minutes um, do you have any last things you want to talk, you know, you want everybody out there to know any words of wisdom and any, um, information on how people can find you and how they can find your books and your, your work on online while they're hanging out at home? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have
0: a website yet, but I will soon, uh, by the end of May, uh, I've got a pretty, uh, structured, uh, game plan and plan of attack, uh, but uh, at, at some point, I, I will have that. And yeah, the books are, are great. They're educational. They're you know they're not um, they're contemporary. They're they're just uh, they're cool. And uh, we want those to do well. And, and the Art Inside Out program, I, I just I just wrote. I wanted to let you know that I, I just wrote a, a self-directed program where guys that can't go to a classroom in DSU uh, can do it in their cell. And I'll be sending that to uh, Lieutenant, a lieutenant in uh DFTU in Eastern Oregon. So they're they're interested in, in it, too. So, but, so where uh, can
2: people go to buy your books?
0: Amazon.com.
2: Okay. Yeah. And where can people go to support Art Inside Out? Is this something that takes donations that our listeners might be able to support if they've got a few extra bucks?
0: Yeah, that would be great. That's great. I don't, I don't even wouldn't even know how to uh, begin uh, trying that out. But, uh, uh, you know, so but the, the Arnie Set Out program is, is, is you know, at, at some point in time, we want to have them in all of the states in the prisons. We want to have them. We want to have a public uh program, too. And I've got it all uh, engineered and worked out as far as packets that would go to each prison, you know, how to how to vet and, and get the right facilitator uh, materials and, and the whole program. So it's really ready to go. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: This is so amazing. I'm just so inspired and impressed. I hope we get the chance to talk to you again and um, just sending you so much love and support five months out is no joke. Oh, and it man. just really feels like you're going to be just fine. I mean, you are this tack you're on with this deep love, kindness, and healing through art, I feel like is really, really powerful right now. I keep thinking about this quote, Rebecca Mackay, I have hanging by my desk in my office that says, art is a radical act. Joy is a radical act this is how we keep fighting. This is how we survive. And I think it's never been more present than right now, what we can do to transform this culture into, you know, to turn this dark underworld time into something beautiful, bright and positive. I just sounds like Kirk, that is just squarely where you're at with your work. And I just want to say thank you so much for doing it.
0: Thank you. Uh, art is important. Art. We need art. You know, art's been around forever. And it's it's what's going to survive if we don't. You know, so it's powerful. It's it's uh, you know just being creative. You're you know you're using you know parts of your brain and your mind, etc., that you don't normally use uh, throughout the day, and so uh, very therapeutic and and just great. So yeah, so. Go ahead. Sir. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I just wanted to thank, uh, you know, um, Denise and, and, and Todd and Anna, who does a mindfulness class. I uh, uh, wanted to thank her for... I go to a mindfulness class on Tuesday nights uh, while we're just Zooming it now, so... Um, but that's... Uh, she's been real supportive too, so... And... Uh, you want
2: to give her a shout? You want to say her website or something? Feel free to yeah, you would shout her
0: out. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> uh, collective justice is is the name of her group. Uh, um, yeah, and I certainly want to thank Mr. B and all the people at EO, Miss Conley, Miss Miss Key, and Mr. Lemons, and and that sort of thing, and my buddy Marlo Trife, too, and especially my dad, who's sitting right behind me over here, being trying to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, tell him hi for us.
0: I will, and you know, and just I just want to tell the guys out there to quit feeling marginalized and quit feeling like you're a piece of crap because you're not. You know, you're you're just you're not a piece of crap. So, you know, you're important to your family, your loved ones, and and more important yourself. So, yeah, that's
1: it. Well, I
0: mean, I'd go ahead, Kirk. No, that's that's it. I just think that guys, you know, just get too hard on themselves, and I certainly did, and.
1: So. Well, I mean, you're definitely a living example of what's possible, you know, and, uh, you know, and there's, you're never too old or too young to take up art and to kind of follow your dreams and your ideas. I think your children's book idea is brilliant. I think what you've accomplished is nothing short of incredible. Okay. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you continue to produce over time. Um, on that note, I want to remind you guys, thank you so much for tuning in on this quarantine edition of on the podcast. You can catch us every Friday morning at 10 a.m. at StartupRadioNetwork.com. And I'll see you next time. This is me and Meg and Kirk Charlton signing out. Signing Thank off. You. Aloha. Thank you, Kirk.
0: Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit CallRuby.com slash radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10%